0: Welcome to Ridgewood Talks. Through this podcast, we will be introducing you to some of the leaders and legends in our village. We'll keep you updated about fascinating local events, and we'll dig into the town's hot topics and so much more. But first, let me introduce myself. I'm Jeannie Johnson, the founder of Ridgewood Talks and Ridgewood Walks. The goal of these initiatives is to create a kinder, more connected, and more vibrant community. I'm thrilled to be co-hosting this podcast with my good friend and all-around wonderful guy, Jordan Kaufman. We look forward to meeting with you weekly and hearing your thoughts on who and what you'd like to learn about in our beautiful hometown. Enjoy this episode!
1: One important thing that we should mention for uh, 2024, something new for Ridgewood Talks, is that we have a sponsor. We're very excited to have the Ridgewood AM Rotary sponsoring the Ridgewood Talks podcast. We want to thank them. For those who are not familiar with the club, uh, Ridgewood AM Rotary meets on Thursdays at 7.30 at the YMCA and on Zoom in a meeting that includes camaraderie, speakers on local and philanthropic issues and opportunities for volunteership throughout the community. Ridgewood A.M. Rotary is part of Rotary International, a global organization that helps local and philanthropic efforts worldwide. And Ridgewood A.M. Rotary also awards scholarships to students at the local schools, not just Ridgewood, but also uh, some of the neighboring towns, and offers donations to these students looking to fund constructive community efforts. The group is currently looking to engage with potential members who want to help the community at large, local charities and volunteer efforts to improve the place we all call home. For those looking for new ways to engage in community efforts and meet a fun and influential group, please visit ridgewoodamrotary.org to learn more. And full disclosure, I am a member of Ridgewood Am Rotary. I'm on the board. Um, Jeannie, you uh, are a past member and Glenn, You have been very gracious to host a number of our kind of charity mixers and uh, Richard A.M. Rotary also tries to meet uh, in the after work hour and the Steel Wheel, Glenn's uh, place of of work, is uh, one of the hosts of a lot of those meetups. So uh, thanks so much for your contribution, Glenn, to to the club as well. I think uh, it's well suited to have a supporter uh, as the guest for the first show of the sponsorship.
0: Pretty excited to talk to Glenn Carlo from Steel Wheel Tavern and uh, see what's going on. He's the president of the Chamber of Commerce, so we're excited about that.
2: Well, thank you very much for having me. Um, Yeah, we've done quite a few philanthropic events at the Steel Wheel. I think before the pandemic, um, we had done about 20 or 25 uh, fundraising nights in the calendar year leading up to the shutdown, and Since then, it's been a little slow to come back. I think people are are focused on on other things, but we are always available um, to do fundraising nights. We give back 20% of the day's proceeds to the cause du jour. Um, We do not require anyone to show a flyer or prove that they're there for the fundraising event. So if you're having an event... You are also the beneficiary of everyone else who happened to come into the Steel Wheel that evening, unbeknownst to the fact that you're hosting a fundraiser. So um, we've routinely written checks for $1,000 or more for local charities, and we really enjoy doing it. It's great for our business. We bring in some people who've never been to the Steel Wheel before, so that's a, that's a plus for us. Uh, And that certainly helps with word-of-mouth advertising. And, you know, it's gratifying for me and my staff to be able to uh, contribute to local charities. So we love doing it.
0: I want to say thank you for that. And also, Glenn... I really am impressed with all of the things that you have done for the community. If I'm correct, you have been the sole owner of Steel Wheel Tavern since 2016. So that's eight years, right?
2: So one caveat to that, yes. I have been an owner of the Steel Wheel since 2016. Um, a good friend of mine, James, was a uh, minority owner for a couple of years. Technically, actually his wife was. And they asked me to buy them out A couple of years in, they said, we really like to focus on, you know, our regular jobs. So I I accepted their invitation and I bought them out. So I've been the sole owner now for maybe five years, but I did have a partner in the beginning. I, I want James and Morale to get credit for having helped get the Steel Wheel Tavern uh, off the ground.
0: Well, you're very generous with that too, and always recognizing your staff. And But again, I just want to go back to the things that you have given your time to in our community. For one thing, you are a member of the Central Business District Advisory Committee, and I know that you have played a very instrumental role in that, especially during COVID. And also you are part of... Uh, the the steering committee for something that the village is exploring called a special improvement district, which I want you to go into further in just a little bit. And again, to go back to the CBDAC. I know that you're on a couple of subcommittees there. And you're also, like I said, the president of the Chamber of Commerce. If you just want to tell us some of the things that the chamber is looking forward to in the future and how you're planning on improving some of the spectacular events that you do, the chamber is responsible for downtown for the holidays. Car Show, Easter in the Park, um, the Farmer's Market, and in February, the Restaurant Week, and also the Chamber does networking events almost every day of the week. So give us a little overview of what's happening at the Chamber, Glenn.
2: Yeah, I'd be happy to. So I think as a lot of folks who are tuned into the Central Business District already know, um, our Executive Director, Joan Groom, who's been with the Chamber now for quite some time. Uh, If I knew the exact number of years, I would tell you, but I think it's 15 to 20. Joan and the Chamber have essentially been synonymous for the last couple of decades. And one of the initiatives that has taken place since I've been a board member is that we've gone through a bit of a reorganization. And the goal here is to not have Joan perform every single piece of the chamber's duties. Now, she's still doing the lion's share of chamber work. And that hasn't changed but i'll tell you what has changed our bylaws allow for 19 board members and we were stuck at about 16 or 17 for quite some time we expanded the the board to its full roster of 19 and we also created four committees and this is the first time in chamber history since 1927 that the chamber has had committees and our committees are events sponsorship and finances membership and networking, and marketing and social media. So and all of those tie together, and there's a lot of communication between the committees. And of course, the committees report to the general board once a month at our meetings. But what this really means is that No longer do board members simply come to the chamber office once a month and sort of discuss what's going on. They now meet separately, whether it's in person or Zoom. So there's at least a second meeting a month for all of the board members. Sometimes there's a third. And what I've tried to do is I've tried to attend as many of these as possible. So I've sort of, I I love in-person meetings, but I tried to get as many of these committee meetings done via Zoom so that I could attend as many of them as possible from right here in my home office. And so far, so good. I feel like I've got a pretty good handle on what all of the committees are working towards. And when I happen to see the overlap, you know, and there's always overlap, right? So you're talking about events and you're talking about marketing. Well, we have to market our events. So that's just natural. And so when I see something that seems to make sense for collaboration, then... You know, I make that suggestion at the, at the board meeting. So I'll put it to you this way. The chamber board members are working longer and harder now than they ever have in the past. And with any luck, that will take some of the pressure off of Joan Groom, who has been doing all of this side work for as long as the chamber's been around.
0: I just want to give a shout out to that woman because she is, I mean, she really single-handedly did all of those events for years and years and years. And she has done a remarkable job. I'm glad that she's still an instrumental part of it, but I also think that it's fantastic that new ideas are coming in and new people are really doing the legwork and it's very exciting. So tell us some of the things that um, are right on the top of the list that the chamber wants to accomplish,
2: one of the things that uh, we're trying to do is we're trying to educate folks in Ridgewood about what the chamber does. One of the reasons why I was so excited to be able to come on with you folks this morning, I think there's uh, sometimes a misunderstanding, and I and I understand why the misunderstanding exists. When we have events like downtown for the holidays or Easter in the park, you you name the event, right? There's a a heavy police presence. There's There's usually uh, quite a bit of assistance from, uh, you know, Signal, DPW, and it gives an impression that those events are, I'm not sure about if my wording is going to be right here, but that they're sort of village sponsored, right? Or that they are, maybe I should say taxpayer sponsored, when in fact, Chamber typically is on the financial hook for whether it be police overtime or any of the costs that are associated with um, pulling off these events. So what we're hoping to get the message across to people is that, hey, these are Chamber of Commerce events. And of course, they're done with the cooperation and assistance from the village government, but they are, in fact, Chamber events. And, you know, just as an aside, the Steel Wheel Tavern is a member of the Ridgewood Guild also. And the Ridgewood Guild sort of has that same issue, right? Like they have events, you know, sometimes there's an admission charge and people wonder, well, you know, why am I being charged an admission? You know, aren't my tax dollars going toward this particular event? And the fact of the matter is often they're not funded by tax dollars. They're funded by either the chamber or the guild or whatever body is, you know, promoting and, you know, putting on the event. So we're trying to get that message across to people and just letting them know, you know, what we do and, um, you know, that we're happy to, to put on these events and hopefully
1: that the people enjoy them. I think that's a good point that you raised there, Glenn, and and that's also true with the Ridgewood Fireworks, which is not yes. paid for by the town, or let's say the a, a large portion is paid for by the local businesses and contributing organizations. And that's one of those things that I think doesn't get enough wordplay uh, in the town. That really, a lot of the stuff that we benefit from the community is a product of organizations in the community. And that's not throwing or, uh, you know, any shade at the town, it's really uh, complementing and raising up those organizations that. Are responsible for so many things that we enjoy and get to appreciate as residents or people who live in the area. You're you're absolutely right, and
2: and in the, the fireworks and the parade, that that committee is is uh, the perfect example of you know really what is a cooperative effort between um, residents committees and the Central Business District, right? Because most of these committees will raise the bulk of their money from businesses within the CBD. Uh, I think that's true of the parade and the fireworks. That's certainly true for chamber events. Uh, I imagine without knowing what the Guild books look like, I imagine it's true for the Ridgewood Guild as well. So this is really, I think, when it comes to the chamber especially, you know, this is the Central Business District sort of coming together and saying, saying thank you to our residents, right? When we put on some of these events, it's to say, hey, we really appreciate that we are in the downtown in this awesome village. Like we're honored to be here. And we know that it takes a lot of cooperation between the residents, the businesses, the government uh, and all the wings of the government to make all of these things happen. And so we're, we're excited that we're able to put on something like downtown for the holidays. You know, e- even this year with in the rain, um, the, the police estimate was 4,000 people. I mean, that's really impressive. I think last year we had 10,000 people, you know, and you don't you just don't expect 10,000 people in the rain. But the fact that we had 4,000 people in the rain, you know, really shows how much the Ridgewood residents appreciate and enjoy those type of events. And I can just tell you that that the chamber really takes a lot of pride in providing for those events.
0: And you should. And I can say as a business owner, I appreciate that it attracts people, not only from our own community, Ridgewood, the things that you do attract people from all over Bergen County and beyond. And the car show is one of them. I, I wondered too, like, has there ever been a discussion of having the car show like on a, on a Sunday afternoon um, to maybe have people linger more to be able to look at the cars for a longer period of time, not in the
1: dark?
2: Yes. Yeah, so one of the things that I hope to bring to the chamber this year is sort of a re-examination of everything that we do. We do some great things. How can we make them better, right? It's not just about, well, can we do additional things? And maybe we can, but can we improve what we do? Can we make them more profitable? Because by making them more profitable, that allows us to invest more into that event next year, right? So making an event more profitable helps make that event better the following year. And it's, it's sort of a cycle at that point, right? Because once that event is better and better attended and, and more well-received, well, then it, be, it can become more profitable also. So to your point, one of the things the chamber tries to do is we try to drive traffic to the central business district In such a way that it will benefit all of our members and our members are retailers professionals restaurants banks it's everyone the issue with sundays is that we can't benefit retailers typically due to the blue laws now we currently do it on a friday night is it possible to be done on a saturday afternoon maybe it is right these are these are discussions that we'll continue to have now i'm sure There are people who, for Joan, for example, or Tom Hillman, who I believe is the uh, chairperson uh, of the car show. And the founder. Well, well, there you go. And the founder. So I am sure there are many a reason why we stuck to Fridays. But what I can tell you, this is a compliment and a testament to the people on the board of directors. Everyone seems open-minded to have discussion. Hey, this is a good event. How do we make it better? Is it possible to make it better by changing the day upon which we hold the event? Everyone's open to those discussions. So, Jeannie, I will just tell you,
1: those discussions will be had. And also, just to add a little bit of context there, this was held on Friday nights. I think if we roll the clock back to when this was started, and it's been decades, I don't think this was nearly the size that it is now. I mean, this used to kind of just circle around Van Ness. Uh, in many ways. And now it kind of runs the entire landscape of the town almost. So you used to be able to see all the cars in a couple hours and and then go get dinner. Now, if you really want to see every car, you're, you're got to buckle in, you got to get there early and you're probably staying late if you want to get the full, uh, full experience.
2: Yeah. So, you know, again, maybe a Uh, here's the angle for a for a Saturday afternoon, right? I can give you the pros. I'm sure there are a lot of cons that I'm not going to be thinking of at this moment. But when you think about a Saturday afternoon, your retailers are open. Um, let's just say they're open until six. You know, I'm gonna make that up, but that's a that's a typical retail closing time. So if you started an event at two or three in the afternoon, uh, hopefully the retailers would benefit from the extra foot traffic. Uh, if that event were to sort of culminate in the five or six o'clock hour, perhaps then uh, the restaurants in town would benefit. So very possibly there is, there is a way to rethink the car show. And there's a way to rethink every event that we do, um, you know, to make them bigger and better. And the chamber has done tremendous work uh, for so many years. But now that we have these committees in place, we're all hopeful that we can make everything we do that much better.
1: Glenn, can can I ask you a quick question? Because you know, we we have a unique opportunity with you to talk a little bit about the business owner's perspective for some of the changes that have been done, some of the you know, changes that that were not intended, COVID, everything else, but also some of the strategies implemented by the town, uh, one of which you are a big participant in, which is the dining corrals. So We'd like to hear a little bit, I guess, about your experience over those periods of time, you know, going from COVID and people mostly just picking up food and taking it out to some of the changes, the pedestrian plaza, dining corral. I don't want to dive like too deep, but if you can just kind of give us a little bit of the business owners perspective, especially since your facility is not in the heart of the pedestrian plaza, you're kind of more on the outskirts. So I guess if you you don't mind just diving in a little bit, especially almost tying that into also the efforts you're putting into the special improvement district and how all of those points of view kind of cycle into the thought process around that. I know that's a tall order and I just packed a lot on one plate, but uh, I know if anyone could do it, it's you. Well,
2: I'll certainly give it a try. I'll tell you what I don't want to do. I don't have any interest in revisiting putting food in people's trunks during COVID. I can I can repress that memory, and if it never comes up again, uh, you know I'll, I'll be very happy about that. Having said that, I, I will say that this community was exceptionally supportive of the steel wheel tavern and i'm sure that most if not all restaurants in the village can say the same i mean people would come just one anecdote i have folks who came to the steel wheel every friday night and they would buy dinner from me they would get cocktails to go bottles of wine to go And I know that because we mark up our bottles of wine, they could have gotten their bottle of wine someplace else that night for cheaper than they got it from me. But they still came and they ordered from me, including the wine. And that was in an effort to help support the steel wheel. So I have nothing but gratitude and the absolute warmest feelings towards my fellow Ridgewood residents when it comes to having gotten us through COVID. So... Amen. Thank you you to all. And moving on from there, the uh, (laughs) full full credit to Susan Knudsen and whoever else was on the council at the time who said, hey, um, we need to uh, assist restaurants. How can we do that? The dining corrals were the most um, obvious answer. And even the ability initially before the dining corrals for us to be able to expand onto neighboring sidewalks and i actually have an interesting story about that if you'll ob- oblige um a fellow by the name of john amarosa owns the lincoln building which is 45 north broad and i'm at 51 north broad and uh he, along with Serendipity Labs, who was the anchor tenant at the time, gave me the thumbs up on putting tables after business hours in front of their building, so on their sidewalk. So my table count. Now keep in mind this was the whole six feet in between tables and everything else. My table count went from five to eleven. Now eleven tables doesn't sound like a lot, but and, as you know, that's over a hundred percent increase, right? So. At that point, I said, you know what? I'm going to try and pay it forward. I I was just given this lifeline. So I am going to take one table away. I'm going to go from 11 tables to 10 tables. And in that spot, I'm going to have a musician. And we had music every day we were open. And we were open six days a week at that time. Now, of course, we're open seven. And once football season is open, we will be back to having music seven days a week at the Steel Wheel. And that music came, it is a byproduct of the dining corrals and it is a byproduct of the generosity of my neighbors to the South in enabling me to have extra tables on their sidewalk. So, again, gratitude to Mr. Amorosa, Serendipity Labs, and everyone else who was part of. Uh, the dining corral decision and the decision to enable us to have tables on uh, neighboring sidewalks.
0: It's amazing how our town really did pull together during that time. And I really love the outdoor dining. So we've touched on that a little bit. I want to talk a little bit more about one of the subcommittees that you're on uh, the chamber or the CB I can't remember, but I want to talk about your, your committee assignments. Um, I know you're on the lighting and on the parking And then I do want to touch in a little bit on the special improvement district so people can kind of understand, um, you know, not only are you working to improve the chamber, um, there is something new afoot too. But let's talk about your subcommittees first.
2: Sure. So through the Central Business District Advisory Committee, um, much like the chamber sort of came to realize we can't meet once a month and accomplish everything that we need to do. It's just it's not feasible, especially when you, you know, when often your December meeting is really a holiday party, right? And then you don't meet in August because everyone's on vacation. You can't have 10 meetings a year and expect to significantly advance an agenda. So some of the folks on the CB DAC said, "Hey, we need to do a little more work and therefore there's now a lighting committee um, and there is a parking committee so let's talk about parking real quick and we'll try and do it as quickly as we can because long before I set foot in Ridgewood there's been discussions about parking here's here's where we're at there due to the garage there's more adequate parking in Ridgewood than there ever has been Some of the challenges are how we use the garage and the lots and the street parking effectively here's what that means. We understand that a lot of there are a lot of employees in the central business district. When those employees start parking on street in street spots, that takes away from a customer's ability, resident or non-resident, takes away from a customer's ability to park as close as possible to the shop or bank or restaurant of their choice and that causes a stumbling block what we've decided and, and this parking committee it, it, it's only met twice um, but we have members of the village government police officers residents business owners and this is uh, essentially chaired by uh stacy sabasaris um, who's sort of this uh, the the head of the committee. And what our first decision was hey, how do we direct more traffic into the garage? And there are certain things that we're looking at. For example, do we have extended hours in the garage so you don't have to move after three hours? So for example, if you are an employee uh, and you're going to work for eight or more hours, can you park in the garage for eight or more hours without having to go back and move your car? So there are things that we just believe can be done uh, more intelligently. Now that we have the parking capacity, let's make sure that we're using it as best we can. So without getting into the nitty gritty, That is sort of what the committee is trying to do. The lighting committee is talking about two things simultaneously, safety and aesthetics. So a lot of towns are doing uh, what's called uh, dark sky lighting. So the lighting is prevented from going sort of upwards onto uh, second floor windows and so on. And it is directed down toward the street level, which is what we feel uh, is appropriate in the central business district. Um, we also wanna make sure that our lighting is adequate, um, that it's adequate uh, near corners where pedestrians will be crossing the street. So it is an aesthetic thing, but it's also has a safety aspect. And along with um, you know, sort of the aesthetic of the downtown, uh, one of my uh, jobs with the chamber was to rewrite or expand upon uh, a blade sign ordinance that had been written initially several years ago. And uh, it's now under review by uh, the village manager, Keith, and the Historic Preservation Committee is also taking a look at the language that I wrote And the goal is to essentially enable any business who would like to have a blade sign downtown to be able to have one and to really change the landscape of the central business district for the better. Um, And for those of you that don't know what a blade sign is, not sure I can describe it all that well, but it is a sign that would protrude over the sidewalk such that you could see uh, what business you are approaching as you walk or drive toward a given business. Whereas right now, we all have signs on the front of our building. So you need to be standing in front of the business to see that business sign. So now, the blade sign would allow you, if you're strolling through town, and we all envision Ridgewood as being a walking town, so if you're walking, you know you can see a sign from 100 feet or more uh, that lets you know what business you are approaching. So it's a great look. Um, blade signs were very popular, late 1800s, um, and that sort of brings... Uh, you know, it would sort of bring an element back to Ridgewood from, you know, from the early days.
1: Yeah, I think that's an important point that you kind of bring there, which is a a theme that I think the CBDAC and all the committees always likes to keep a certain amount of head nod to the historic nature of Ridgewood and the history there. And, you know, never, you know, we're never going to turn this into some kind of futuristic metropolis. It's always meant to keep its roots in, uh, in being, you know, a, a village with some character.
2: No, you're absolutely right. I mean, we're we're talking about changing the light fixtures, but we're not talking about changing the poles, right? The, the poles have a, you know, sort of an antique look to them and we want to preserve that. We're literally talking about changing perhaps, uh, and maybe not even changing the fixture, it might just be putting um, some sort of a crown over the fixture to direct the light downward as opposed to having it, you know, sort of disappear up into the sky. So we're not looking to do anything that would uh, compromise the current aesthetic. If anything, we're looking to we're looking to complement the current aesthetic and perhaps even add some features like the blade sign, which actually sort of takes um, Ridgewood you know back in time a little bit.
1: I think that's you know one of the important takeaways I think from just as you talk about these issues is when you live in the town and things just kind of happen and when you're not, fully engaged or involved in some of those things. You kind of question some of the rationale, the thinking, are people really spending the time to do the research and understand the ramifications of different choices. And one thing is uh, I've gotten involved and seen the actual you know cooking in the kitchen. It's there's a lot of thought going into this. There's just a lot of moving pieces to consider as you go through. So the obvious answer rarely, you know, just jumps off the page. It's normally you got to get a lot of input from a lot of different groups to understand, you know, kind of all the thought that went in and uh, the considerations that are necessary as you think through safety and impact, cost, all these things there. There's a lot of moving parts.
2: No, you're absolutely right. And it's why. So the. The chamber, for example, right, that's made up of local professionals and business owners and so on, because the chamber is all about driving traffic to the central business district and improving the business environment for Ridgewood business owners. Whereas the central business district advisory committee, you know, has residents on, uh, on that committee, right? It's not all about the central business district, you know, being financially successful. I mean, obviously, viability is important, but it's also making sure that the central business district does things in such a way that the residents are appreciative and and that the residents feel as if there is a benefit toward the decisions being made. So yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's great how many people, uh, how many cross sections Uh, of the village come together on these committees to make these decisions. And to your point, Jordan, you're exactly right. There's a lot of thought that goes into all of these things. And the fact of the matter is, we're not always going to get it right. But as long as everyone involved is open to trying to improve, I think that's the key, right? It's always advancing, getting better, moving forward.
1: We should actually start giving out certificates for people who are involved in more than 1,500 hours in parking conversations on the Ridgewood downtown. Yeah. I, think, I think I'd have a master's degree by now. I think you would. I think you would. <laughs> we're, we're, uh, we're wrapping up here. Thank you so much for your time. But I think, you know, a nice way to kind of close out might be just to get Glenn Carlos five years out. What does downtown Ridgewood have? What are some of the benefits and how have some of the residents, businesses, I mean, where, where are the big improvements that people can kind of look forward to over the next five, if you want to push it out 10 years? Um, you know, what what does that downtown look like in your eyes and vision? I saved the that's, easy questions for last one.
2: Yeah, no, it's, and th- that, that's good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you asked the question because, uh, you know, again, I can give you sort of what my vision is. And I bet if you asked 100 other people, you would get 100 other opinions. I'll answer this question as a resident and as the owner of the Steel Wheel Tavern. I will abdicate uh, my position on the chamber and the CB DAC when I give you these opinions. Um, I would like to see the landscape of the village um, be improved in a number of ways. I believe that the blade signs are step Number one, I think that's going to make for a much more engaging streetscape uh, for pedestrians. Um, I would love to see... Uh, the lighting improved for safety reasons. I would also like to see something along the lines of like a uh, a faux gaslight, you know, accompanying some of our fixtures where, again, it would sort of harken back to, you know, the old days, if you will. But it would certainly, it would create a mood and an atmosphere in Ridgewood that would be truly unique to any other downtowns, whether, you know, whether you're talking about, I won't necessarily call them competitors, but perhaps they are. So whether you're talking about Morristown or Summit or anywhere, Else, um, we can do some things with lighting in this town, you know, that would set us apart. And those, those little things uh, change the visitor's experience. Uh, And they're often subliminal, but I believe it makes people want to come back. Uh, The dining corrals, like to see those continue. And if we could find a way for those to be, I don't want to say made permanent, because I'm not talking about having them up 12 months a year. But if we could, if if restaurateurs could be confident that they're coming back every year, uh, you know, perhaps via an ordinance, well, we could do an awful lot. We could invest an awful lot in making them as beautiful as possible possible, Um, you know, would love to get away from sort of the exposed concrete bricks that we currently, I know they're not bricks, but blocks. I love to get away from that and, and beautify things, and then I think it—you know—there are there are other initiatives, right, for uh, beautification purposes, like um, you know, and Genie does a lot of work with the uh, the pedestrian tunnels at the train station. Um, I think we are in dire need of you know uh, giving some attention to the bus station. So there are there are plenty of things that we can do that would help to to continue to beautify what is already a beautiful village.
1: As you talk about all those things, a lot of them are being addressed. And just because the gears of community change grind slow, it may take five years to see the results of all that stuff. But um, I think it will be an impressive site when all done. I think there's a fantastic group of people working on that now. Also encourage more people to get involved. You know, the CBDAC is always taking applications to be on the group. And it is a group that definitely appreciates people's input that also community safety. There's a number of volunteer efforts within the town. Certainly the Chamber of Commerce, for those who are either working professionals, own a business in town, it's not just for brick and mortar, it's also for service professionals. So want to give a big shout out to the Chamber for all that they do for the community. And I think if these are organizations that you haven't checked out, I'll add the Ridgewood Guild to that. Uh, Obviously, our sponsors, Ridgewood AM Rotary. It's really, I think, a big thing for community people. Uh, This town doesn't operate without community volunteership and involvement. It just doesn't. I think a lot of people think there's a bunch of paid people behind the scenes doing a lot of work. It is so much volunteer heavy lifting that makes a lot of this stuff go on and even if the people are paid, I would say they're you know dollar per hour service and Joan's a perfect example. I would say Joan is the uh, centerfold for the lowest paid person per hour that she works because I'm pretty sure she's close to 24-7, pretty yeah. sure.
2: Um, yeah, she's probably below minimum wage by the time you get to the end of the year. <laughs> uh, you know, and you're right about the the volunteerism, uh, and there's so much of it here in Ridgewood. And, and, you know, a shout out also to so many of the people at the village who really are so helpful. So, of course, we have the mayor and council, and everyone, I think, knows that. But, you know, so many folks, and, and now Keith Kazmark, who's the new manager, and, you know, Heather Maylander, who helps us so much, Chris Rudishauer. I mean, I'm, I can't begin to touch on all the names of all the folks, the police department. I mean, there is a lot of cooperation that goes on. And to your point, anyone who wants to come and sit in at a central business district advisory committee meeting, you know, please come on down and and, and get a feel for exactly all of the different segments of this village, residents, business owners, police department, uh, you name it, everyone gets together to advance an agenda for the village. And it's 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 really uh it's fun to be a part of and you and and it's a special group of people
0: it's really informative but the thing that strikes me the most about the cbdac meetings is that everyone there has a heart to serve the entire community whether they're a business owner or not and i just want to again compliment you and thank you for everything that you've done for our community you've come a long way buddy from being a soccer coach at ridgewood high school here (laughs) you are you are one of the leaders of our community so thank you for everything that you do
2: well you're very welcome, and I'm happy to be a soccer coach at Ridgewood High School. It makes for a very busy autumn in my life, but it is a lot of fun, and I get to meet a lot of uh, Ridgewood families by doing that. So, yeah, I'm I'm, uh, I'm honored to be a part of that program.
1: Good for you. Awesome. And thank you, Jeannie, for uh, all that you do for the town, and thank you to our sponsor, Ridgewood AM Rotary. This is awesome to, uh, to be uh, up and running with full sponsorship, so we're excited.
0: Thanks again, Glenn. Thank you, Jordan. And thank you, listeners. Stay tuned for our other episodes that are coming up. We're going to be doing two a month. So keep your eyes on Ridgewood Talks. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Bye,
1: guys.